0: your Bible, please, and find Daniel, chapter 3. Si trajo su Biblia, busque, por favor, Daniel, capítulo 3, esta noche. This is the famous third chapter of Daniel, and uh, famous for good reason. We find here the account of the fiery furnace. Esta noche llegamos a Daniel, capítulo 3, este famoso capítulo, y famoso con razón, Porque es la, el cuento, la historia de el horno de fuego, la salvación de aquellos hebreos. We thank God for his word. We've been studying the book of Daniel, and we've been studying on the subject, Dare to be a Daniel. And so we see in this book a great challenge to be men and women of extraordinary faith and confidence in God. Hemos hablado sobre el tema, Atrévete a ser como Daniel hoy uh, no uh, es diferente. Vemos una vez más una, un desafío uh, y también la respuesta de los justos a ese desafío es una fe poderosa. Life will have challenges and our faith will be tested. Someone said that great faith is tested greatly. Uh, la fe viene, oh, perdón, la vida tiene sus desafíos Y la fe viene con desafíos también. Alguien ha dicho que la fe grande es probada grandemente. And so tonight I want to speak on the subject of the trial by fire. Esta noche vamos a hablar del tema de el juicio por fuego. Every once in a while life will uh, bring a trial. And it's a trial by fire. De vez en cuando viene a nuestra vida un Una prueba por fuego. These are particularly difficult and uh, challenging circumstances. Son dificultades y uh, circunstancias particularmente uh, únicas, pero que cada uno de nosotros tiene la fe para sobrellevar. And when these challenges come, I want you to understand that we all have the faith. We all have the faith every single person here has the faith that it takes to overcome. And that's because the Bible says that God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. Dios nos ha dado a cada una medida de fe, And that's equal to the challenge. So we'll begin reading in uh, chapter uh, 1 and, sorry, chapter 3 and verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and it was Uh, It's with six cubits. He set up on a plain at Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And verse 4, then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you, the command is given, O peoples, nations, and every man of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipes, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image and Nebuchadnezzar the king that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time when the people heard the sound of the horn, they fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who, has, who hears the sound of the horn is to bow down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom, have not, whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, Namely, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. And we'll skip down to verse 6. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand o king but even if he does not let it be known to you o king that you are not going to that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set before us let's pray father god we thank you for your word i pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living god and i ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's a, where's the sound? Now we are going to notice tonight that Daniel is not actually part of this story. Vamos a notar esta noche que Daniel no es parte de esta historia. And so the question then becomes, where is Daniel? Algunos preguntan, ¿Dónde está Daniel? And that question is like a lot of questions sometimes people ask uh, about the Bible. It doesn't have an answer. Any answer you get Will be pure speculation, and so um, it's kind of like asking, "Did Adam have a belly button?" Who knows, and we'll probably never know till we get to heaven. It's not that big of a uh, detail, uh, or that significant of a detail. What we know for sure is that Daniel uh, does not part, does not participate in this chapter because uh, he has bowed down to the image. We're quite confident. Daniel would not have uh, worshiped this false image. So most likely then, Daniel has been uh, doing this new job he's been promoted to doing. Maybe he's doing a tour of the region uh, that he has been appointed to. We have no idea, but he doesn't appear here. Uh, Perhaps also this story is focused on, much like the the story we're going to see later of Daniel in the lion's den, it's focused on a part of, Uh, a a part of it that is the political or the politics of Babylon and that is that these three men were targeted because of their faith and their confidence in God. And so we see that uh, there in the verses that we have read they said in verse 12 certain Jews and so we understand that these were men who were being watched and they were targeted uh, because of their uh, difference because of the fact that they were serving different gods, and uh, ate different diet, and were ascribing to a different way of life. And the confidence that we have uh, is that even when we're targeted, we can anticipate and expect that God will be faithful, and that he will deliver us, and just as he does in this setting. Daniel is targeted later in the book of Daniel, and so we know this is certainly a theme that emerges in this in this part of the scripture, at the same time, then we also uh, can begin to study this chapter, and we see that uh, an idea has come into the mind of the king to build an image, which um, uh, is everyone has to worship, and so most likely that was the result of these uh, these political actors putting it into the mind of the king. You know what you need to. You need to put the people to a test, make sure they're going to worship you. And uh, that same concept, that same theme emerges later when we see the the test of uh, the lion's den. That these ideas come specifically and uh, purposefully in order to test this specific group of people, which is the people of God. Idol worshipers aren't tested by worshiping idols. But people who don't worship idols are tested when you say either you worship this idol or you die. How many of you understand the difference? And so naturally then this is a targeted type of test. It's specifically designed to challenge the faith of the Hebrews. And that's what, uh, one of the factors we're going to look at tonight when we think about the trial by fire. What makes a trial by fire a trial by fire is that it's something that is uniquely designed to test you. To test your particular maturity level, to to test your particular strength and your particular faith. Aquí vemos un una ataque que viene en contra de los judíos. Es una prueba la cual es diseñada específicamente para ellos. La prueba es que todos tienen que adorar a una imagen. Bueno, en Babilonia todos adoran a las imágenes, así que no es muy grande prueba. Pero en este caso, los que no adoran a las imágenes son los judíos. Entonces, la prueba es específicamente en contra de ellos. Y ahí vemos que la la prueba por fuego es algo diseñado en, en contra en particularmente De la, el Santo de Dios, el Justo, uh, con, con una prueba específica para ellos. You remember what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah? It says that no weapon formed against you will what? ¿Qué dice la Escritura? Ninguna arma forjada contra ti prosperará. Entonces, uh, la Biblia no dice que la arma no va a ser forjada. It doesn't say that it won't be formed against. What it does, in fact, say is that weapons are made specifically against you. There are specific strategies of the enemy that are brought against the specific believer. Lo que sí vemos ahí cuando él dice ninguna arma forjada significa que hay armas específicamente forjadas en contra de tu vida. And the enemy knows how to attack our weakness. Él conoce... At la, el ataque como atacar nuestra debilidad. And so you and I have to be on guard against the strategies of the devil. Tenemos que estar parados firmes en contra de las estrategias de Satanás. And you can just understand that the trial by fire is just that challenging because it's going to attack specifically those areas of your life that you either I can't cross that particular line or where there's an area of weakness. And Tonight I want to deal with that trial by fire, but we're going to conclude with the other trial by fire, which is coming for every believer at the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us is going to go through a trial by fire, and we're going to stand before Jesus Christ as our judge. And so we want to have those two things in mind tonight as we study the scriptures. Vamos también a, a ver la, la prueba de fuego que viene para todos los cristianos. Cuando estén parados delante del gran tribunal de Cristo, el cual todos vamos a padecer. Y en aquel día vamos a tener una real prueba por fuego. All right, so what do we learn tonight in, uh, in our study of Daniel chapter 3? We see that Nebuchadnezzar has built a statue, The statue uh, is uh, 60 cubits tall. Now that is, uh, just so you understand, a cubit in the ancient world was the measure. It changed a little bit from time to time, but almost uh, always within the same range. It was the measure between the elbow and the the tip of the finger of the king. Uh, Un codo en el mundo antiguo es la medida de... De el brazo del rey, de el codo al dedo más largo. So that's a cubit. Uh, today we more or less consider a cubit to be about 16 inches. If you ever built a, a, a wall to code, you know what a cubit is. So the space between two 2x4s two on center, that's about the, the distance of a cubit. So this thing is massive in height. Esto entonces es algo masivo. You can you can multiply 60 by 16, you more or less have an idea of how tall this thing was, and it was designed to be impressive. It's designed to demonstrate the power, the glory, the um, the architecture, and the skill of Babylon. Es una imagen uh, cuál es um, edificado para mostrar, para demostrar la gloria, la majestad, el poder, eh, la arquitectura. De Babylonia, To this day, Babylonian architecture is still studied. Hasta este día se estudia la arquitectura de Babilonia. They were an intellectual people. Era un pueblo intelectual. And so this image fits perfectly within the culture of Babylon. Esto cabe perfectamente en la cultura de Babilonia. And they're going to dedicate the image. Se va a dedicar este, esta imagen, esta estatua. And the dedication service will be a service in which the king requires everyone to bow down and worship the image. Most likely it's an image of of Nebuchadnezzar. Todos tienen que inclinarse a adorar esta imagen y tienen que adorarlo quizá esa imagen representa el rey. When they hear the sound of the music, they're going to bow down and worship Cuando escuchen el sonido de la música, entonces se van a inclinar a adorar la imagen. Now, as I mentioned, if you are a, an idol worshiper, Babylonians had many gods, so bowing down and worshiping an idol was just, just a common thing to do. It would be like, like clapping your hands at a f- soccer game, a football game, a basketball game, and then coming to church and clapping your hands. It's the same thing. And so for them, bowing down to an idol wasn't that big of a deal. But the trap has been set for the children of Israel. Entonces ellos al escuchar la música tienen que inclinarse a adorar. Y esto era algo común para los Babilonios, pero prohibido para los Hebreos. The law of God, first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. How many of you remember the first commandment? Primer mandamiento, no tendrás otro Dios delante de mí. Number two, second commandment, you shall not make for yourself any graven image. Number two, el mandamiento número dos, no tendrás una imagen hecho de ninguna semejanza para adorarlo. And so the very first two commandments are at stake in this test. Los, los, los dos mandamientos están aquí a prueba en esta examinación. I want you to notice three things about that tonight. Number one is that the enemy wants you to bow down to an image that reflects his culture. El enemigo quiere que usted se incline a la imagen que refleja su cultura. And you now have to be aware of this fact that culture... Uh, and that uh, the, 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 the movement of the stream of the, of the culture is directed by the, by the hand of the, the, the prince of this world. La cultura, los movimientos de la cultura son movidos por la mano de el príncipe de este mundo. When you see trends that, that take place in our world and you see the, the downward spiral of people the downward spiral of of, uh, of the way that people talk, the way that people relate to one another, the way that people treat one another, you understand that this is not being governed by God. This is being governed by the prince of this world. The Bible uh, calls him the, the prince of this age or of this of this uh, world, this, uh, of this particular system. He runs the systems of the world. Él es el príncipe de este mundo. So you and I as believers have to always be careful. We don't just follow the wind of the culture. No podemos como creyentes simplemente seguir la cultura. Someone should say amen tonight. Your children might say to you, everyone is doing it. What are they, they're communicating to you, you and I, we said it to our parents too probably. What are they saying? They're saying that's the culture. That's what's normal. And the believer has to understand that in our house, there's a different culture. In this house of prayer, there's a different culture from the culture that rules the world. El creyente tiene que entender y establecer en nuestra casa hay otra cultura. It's the culture of the kingdom of God is governed by the word of God. And, And the challenge becomes then when, when we don't live our life at home, we don't establish the culture of the kingdom of God in our homes, and then an emergency comes up, we try to, we try to now start applying the principles of the kingdom of God. There is a, there's a backlash that often takes place, or a, uh, a pushback that takes place. You have to decide. We've been talking about that word, decide, all this entire se- series. You've got to decide, like Joshua, he said to Israel, you choose this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Decided believers will be able to endure the challenge of the test by fire. El, el creyente se tiene que decidir como Josué. Él dijo, ustedes escojan, escojan hoy a quien van a servir, pero yo y mi casa serviremos a Jehová. Y el justo determinado es el que va a sobrepasar el examen por fuego. If you want to pass a trial by fire, you've got to decide who you're going to serve. Tienes que decidirte a quien vas a servir. The second thing we notice about this test, first is that it was, it, it was lifted up by Nebuchadnezzar. That's the culture. But then we see the sound of music. I don't make, mean to make any reference to the musical tonight, uh, but the sound of music is used in order to get people to bow to the culture. Lo siguiente que vemos aquí en este examen, o esta prueba, es el sonido de la música. Music is a powerful tool. That's why we use it to teach. We teach the ABCs to the children with with music. We teach the gospel to children with with music. When when I was growing up, we had little songs, little nursery rhymes to teach us the Bible. How many of you remember those? Building up the temple. Father Abraham had many sons. Y'all remember those? That's good. We use music because it's powerful. But guess what? The enemy also uses music. Nosotros usamos la música por, para enseñar a los niños. Le enseñamos el alfabeto con música. Le enseñamos la, la Biblia con música. ¿Por qué? Porque la música es un instrumento poderoso. Pero Satanás también usa la música. In fact, if you study the Bible, you see that, that most likely Satan, prior to falling, he was a uh, he's a fallen angel. Prior to falling, Lucifer was most likely the worship leader of heaven. He was the the song leader. Uh, Si usted estudia la Biblia va a ver que uh, Lucifer antes de caer y y ser uh, Satanás, entonces él era uh, el uh, el músico en el cielo. And so you can understand that he uses that tool to engage people in following him. Entonces, usted entiende que él usa la música para atraer para, a, 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 a las personas que le sigan. And many times, the, the way that, that false teaching and false thinking comes into people's mind is through the music that they allow to filter into their heart and into their mind. Uh, muchas veces, la, la caída de las personas es cuando dejan la música Entrar a su mente O traer a su mente mensajes Que no son uh, dignos De de ellos So you've got to be very uh, Very clear On that fact Usted tiene que ser muy cierto En este este hecho Que la música es un instrumento uh, Para el bien O para el mal Así que escoja música Que le edifique su espíritu Y que uh, le edifique su fe So what should you do? You should choose to listen to music that edifies your spirit and your faith. Music that uh, proclaims the truth of God's word. Musica que proclame la palabra de Dios. There are a, a lot of things you can listen to that sound innocent, but they are the lure into the culture. And as as a believer, you have to know that there are a great many dangers that come by allowing the wrong music to come into your life. El creyente tiene que entender que hay hay una atracción en la música. Entonces, si usted deja un cierto mensaje entrar a su vida musicalmente, pueden tener una un poder destructor en su vida. And then the, the third thing we see as part of this is the fear of death. Luego, número tres, aparte parte de esta prueba es el temor de la muerte. Remember, I told you that the spirit of Antichrist operates by the fear of death. Recuerde que le he mencionado que el espíritu de Antichrist opera a través del temor de la muerte. If you don't do this, you're going to die. Así no haces esto, vas a morir. And... The, the test is here, if you don't, bow down to the image. You're going to be cast the, into the fiery furnace. Si no, Then, a esta imagen, vas a ser echado al fuego. And through the fear of death, the Bible says that the, the devil has brought many people into the snare. A través del temor de la muerte, el diablo ha traído muchos a, a caer en, uh, en la esclavitud. Why well, you understand this? Uh, the Bible, uh, Jesus said these words. He said, you should not fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the soul. Jesus dijo, no debes temer al que puede matar el cuerpo. Debes temer al que puede matar el alma. There is a difference between the, the threat of the devil and the threat uh, of disobedience to God. And when you and I understand that the devil does not have the power to destroy the soul, he he has the he has operated through the power of death, and he is a thief and a murderer or a liar and a, a murderer from the beginning. Dice la Biblia que Satanás es mentiroso y homicida desde el principio. He has but one mission or goal that is to destroy your life, but he can't destroy your soul, and you understand that he can threaten you with every disease, he can threaten you with every kind of of, uh, fear that comes from being afraid of accidents, being afraid of uh, snakes, being afraid of public speaking, whatever fear he might bring against you, it has no power over your soul, God alone has that power, are you understanding tonight? So he's going to use a fear, and maybe in this case, uh, it's de- it's death, uh, physical death. But he might say to young people, you know, if you don't follow the crowd, if you don't go along with the culture, you are going to have a dead social life. You're going to be unpopular. You're going to be uh, you're going to be an outcast. You're going to be a loser. And this fear has brought many people into the snare. And so now we see that these young men, or these men, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, have been put to the test. Now, what's the temptation? They're being tempted, first of all, to save their own skin. Ever been, sa- ever been tempted to save your own skin? Not you guys, right? These are the, these are the saintly Christians tonight. They have a decision to make. Ellos tienen una decisión que hacer. La tentación es esta. Me salvo yo solo o oh, a Dios. Do I save my own skin or do I honor God? Now, this test presents itself in this case in this test by the fiery furnace, but it could be financial. could say, Do I save my own skin or do I honor God financially? I, it could be. Sexual? Do I save my own skin, follow my own appetite, or do I honor God by observing of sex until marriage, and only within marriage? You could say, Do I do I save my own skin and get this job by by pushing and shoving, or do I honor God and let Him favor me? These types of situations present themselves in everyday life. Estas situaciones se presentan a veces en la vida en diferentes formas. La forma financiera. ¿Me salvo financieramente o honro a Dios con el diezmo? ¿Me salvo sexualmente o honro a Dios con mi cuerpo y uh, dejo eso para el matrimonio solamente? Y usted tiene que uh, cruzar esa tentación Y yo tenemos que cruzar esa tentación. All of us have to deal with that temptation one day or another. They already dealt with it in chapter 1. And they saw that when they chose to honor God, God saved them. Amen. Ellos ya pasaron esta prueba porque en el capítulo 1 tuvieron la misma decisión. me Salvo yo o oh, uh, uh, honro a Dios y escogieron mejor honor a Dios. Look at what 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 says. Fíjese lo que dice 2 Timoteo capítulo 10, perdón capítulo 4 verso 10. It says Paul is here speaking to his protege Timothy. He says Demas having loved this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Here you see Paul, who's been forsaken by all of his associates in an hour of great trial, great need. And listen to what he says. He says, Demas forsook me, having loved this present world. If you and I don't make a decision to honor God when the temptation comes to save my own skin or honor God, we're going to choose to save our own skin when the temptation comes to run or stand firm we're going to run because the decision is made on the small stuff remember we said if you will if you'll say no to a ham sandwich you're developing your character to be able to say no to an image made of gold is there still a church here tonight and so the temptation is Do I save my own skin? Do I cut and run? Do I say I don't know Jesus like Peter did when he tempted the Lord three times? or uh, uh, He denied the Lord three times? Do we cut and run like Demas because he loved the present world? Maybe the ministry was getting too tight. The finances weren't what he expected. Maybe the the hermanos weren't cooking the meals he kind of liked. So he said, you know what, I'm out of here. And Paul is saying to us, he's saying to Timothy, this is the temptation all of us have to face. Are we going to run or are we going to stand firm? Having loved this present world or having loved God? And and your children, as I've told you, and your, your teenagers are facing that test every day. La decisión viene, y nuestros jóvenes están haciendo esa decisión diariamente. O honro a Dios, o voy a salvarme a mí mismo. Here's what Jesus said. You and I have to know this principle. Understand it. Take it to heart. He said, if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, He'll save Jesús dijo este principio, todo lo tenemos que abrazar y entender. Jesús dijo, si salvas tu vida, la pierdes. Pero si pierdes tu vida por el Evangelio, la salvas. How many of you want to save your life? Yes. Cuando quieren salvar su vida, then you gotta lose it. The, the, the principle of the kingdom is. That you gain by losing. We want to have control of our life. God says, No, you got to lose control of your life. Give it to God. And Jesus says, If you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, it's going to look like to the world like you lost it. It's going to look like to the world like you wasted your time. You wasted your potential. You wasted your opportunities. I actually had a professor tell me that the day I graduated from college. He said, Isaac, are you going to, grad, to uh, law school? I said, no, I'm going into the ministry. He said, the best ones always waste. Really encouraging. But that's what the world, that's what Jesus is saying. To the world, it's going to look like that the day you chose to follow Jesus and forsake the culture, to follow Jesus and forsake the 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 ways that the world operates and the way that the world gets power and influence and the way that the world lives its life and the way that the world conducts its, its affairs and its money and its relationships. The day you said, I'm putting all of that aside and I want to follow Jesus to the world, it looked like you lost. You lost uh, the, uh, out on all the fun. You lost out on all the opportunities, all the privilege, And Jesus says, let them see what they want. You have to know this is a principle of the kingdom of God. You have to know it and embrace it in your own heart. I cannot lose by honoring God. I cannot lose by seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Amen, somebody. If you lose your life for the sake of the kingdom, you'll save it. That's what we're going to see in these young men. Another part of this temptation is for them to sacrifice their conscience. When you are tempted to bow down to something you know violates the law of God, it is a temptation of conscience. Ellos ahora son puestos a prueba sacrificar su conciencia. Ellos tienen que determinar si van a honrar a Dios o van a sacrificar lo que ellos creen, su carácter, su conciencia, para hacer lo que está delante de ellos para hacer. Listen, the Bible says that the conscience, a guilty conscience or a sinful conscience, it is like it is like rotting bone. Heavy and painful, and many people have rejected peace by rejecting by by falling into temptation and sacrificing their conscience for a moment's bliss, for a moment's pleasure. They have sacrificed their mental peace. They've lost their joy. Listen, friends, there is nothing in in this life that is worth more to you in this, in this human experience than to have peace with God and with yourself. And when you and I are tempted, that's part of the temptation. You have to understand. As soon as sin is conceived, it brings forth death. That's what the Bible says in the book of James. And as soon as, as, soon as temptation is entered into the conscience begins to war against you. And what you thought would bring you joy ends up bringing you dissatisfaction. The good news is because the Bible says that we are saved through the blood of Jesus and the blood of Christ cleanses our conscience from dead works, so that we can serve the living God. How many of you have a new conscience? Don't give that up for nothing. Say amen, somebody. Don't give that up for nothing. You stand by God. Honor God. Your relationship with God is the most important thing. And it's what leads to peace in your life. Peace with God and peace with yourself comes through relationship with God. When you and I uh, fall into temptation, we are going to experience that friction between us in God, and so God is has uh, sent us his Holy Spirit to keep us from temptation, to keep us from the evil one, so that we can walk before God with a pure conscience and in right relationship with him. The third thing they would have to sacrifice would be their testimony. Lo tercero que Tendrían que sacrificar. La tentación es una tentación a sacrificar su testimonio. Do you have a good testimony? Do people see you as a, as a man or woman of God? Do they see you as a person of faith? Do they see you as a person of integrity? Someone who does right? ¿Cómo te ve la gente? ¿Te ven como una persona de carácter? Una persona de buen testimonio, Can they leave their wallet with you? Pueden dejar dejarte su porta with you? dinero sin que usted ellos with pensando que a you? have that kind of a reputation, don't sacrifice Si usted tiene un buen nombre, no lo dé para nada. The Bible says that a good name is worth more to you than silver and gold. La Biblia dice que un buen nombre vale más que el el oro y la plata. And it is harder to to win back than a strong city. Es más difícil uh, ganarte toda una ciudad que, que regresarte un buen nombre. And maybe you say, Pastor, I, I live for the world so long, I don't, I don't have a good name. But God is restoring your name. He's rebuilding your credit. Just give him time. And you keep walking with God. And before you know it, the people that are saying, ah, he thinks he's a church boy now. He thinks he's a God man now. That's watching. See, someday they're going to come to you and say, would you pray for me? And they're going to understand that you have become someone Say amen, somebody. Because of the grace of God. Don't sacrifice that. Not for a few dollars more. Not for a little extra money. Not for uh, the attention or the influence of particular people. Not for pleasure. Don't sacrifice that. If these men bow down, what will become of their testimony of God. What will become of their testimony of Yahweh when they've been saying we will not worship other gods and and we keep ourselves only to him and we don't eat the diet that he doesn't allow and we honor the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The moment they bow their knees, they lose all credibility. Don't you realize that's why Satan tempts the believer? He wants to take your name. He wants to take your credibility. He wants to take... Your uh, integrity because he understands that that the, the kingdom of God operates through righteousness. And so tonight I want to encourage you to stand in your integrity. Let the chips fall where they may. You stand with God. Tell your neighbor, do the right thing. You might be preaching to somebody right now. You might be saving their life. Tell them again, do the right thing. Look at what what they said in verse 18. They said, King, there's no need for us to give you an answer on this matter. We are not going to bow. And they said, our God is able to deliver us. How many of you believe that? ¿Cuántos creen que su Dios puede? Let's say that our God is able to deliver us. But, verse 18, even if he doesn't. Nuestro Dios nos puede liberar, pero aun si no. You see, you you and I have to come to that place of decision, that place of faith that says, God, I'm going to trust you even if it doesn't go my way. That's what Job said. He said, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. It's easy to trust God when he gives you everything you want. But there is a trial by fire, and the trial by fire is one that requires you to be willing to give up the thing you want most from God and say, God, even if you don't give me that, that thing I have fasted for and prayed for and believed for and given for, that thing that I have trusted for, that thing I have on my dream wall, that thing that's on my refrigerator, that thing that is my screen, my uh, screensaver, that thing I love and want and desire, I'm willing to leave that on the altar because honoring you is the main thing in my life. Even if he doesn't. We will not bow. It said, let it be known, O king, that you are not, we are not going to serve your gods or worship this golden image which you have set up. You might as well run the clock out because we are not going to bow. Tell your neighbor, I have, a, I have decided. Now see, once you make the decision. how I many if you've ever made a decision, you've been back and forth, back and forth, back. Yes, no, yes, no. And then you made a decision, and once you decided, no looking back. That's what it means to follow Christ. No turning back. No looking back. No second guessing. If I was wrong, I'm gonna ride this thing till the end. but I am going to stick with God. Now when you make that decision, some things are going to happen in your life, just like happened here. And these men are going to see God show up in their test. Estos hombres van a ver a Dios aparecer en su prueba. Listen, God shows up in the test. Usually not till the end. So if you're panicking, you're saying, why isn't God talking? Just remember, the teacher doesn't talk during the test. The teacher doesn't teach during the test. The teacher is quiet during the test. But God always shows up in the test. And he usually doesn't show up until... You've decided. You think he's going to give you a million dollars and then you decide to be a missionary? No, he's going to say, first you decide, then I'll provide. But Lord, it would be easier if you would just provide first and then I could decide. No, this is a walk of faith. The just shall live by faith. And every one of you as a believer, every decision you're making, you're making it by faith. It ought to be, say amen, somebody. It ought to be that you're praying about it and you have, you have felt and sensed the leading of God, but there's a part of that thing that if God doesn't come through, it's going to be a bust. It has to be by faith. God has to do his part. And guess what? He will do his part. You can count on him doing his part. So, what what happens? The Bible said they bound them. They threw them into the fiery, uh, fiery furnace. Los ataron y los uh, aventaron el horno de fuego. Look at verse twenty-five. When the king looks into the furnace, he says, "Look, I see four men." Loose and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. Cuando el rey ve hacia el horno donde los había echado, dice el verso 25 que él dijo, Mira, yo miro cuatro, cuatro hombres, sueltos y caminando en el fuego. Everyone say loose. Listen, when you make a decision to follow God, to honor God, no matter the consequences, you will have freedom like you've never had freedom before. You want to have freedom, decide to honor God and choose for God every single time. You will have freedom like you've never had before. You want to sleep at night when everyone else is twisting their they're a wringing their hands and not knowing what to do. You can sleep at night when you've decided, God, it's in your hands. You do your thing. That's where freedom is. So many people get into bondage, and that bondage is destroying their health, and it's destroying their relationships, and it's destroying their life, because they have not... Decided. They're in and out. They're back and forth. They, they live for God. They live for the world. They live for themselves. They live for God. And there they go back and forth. And they can never know true freedom because the scripture says you cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. But you can't serve both. And the person that thinks if I serve God, my life's going to be constricted, it's going to be bound, you are wrong, friend. The one who wants to bind you and tie you up is the devil. Jesus wants to set you free, and he wants to make you free. Indeed, that comes when you decide to serve God, to do it God's way. He says, I see them loose and walking where? Where are they walking? ¿Dónde están caminando? They're walking in the midst of the fire. You see, God's goal has never been to get you out of, out of having trials, out of having difficulties, out of having trials by fire. His goal has been to show up in your life so that even when you are in a trial that you are walking and free and rejoicing and glorifying God. Come on, somebody, because you know whom you've trusted. You know who you serve. La meta de Dios, hermano, no es que usted nunca tenga pruebas. Pero que cuando usted tenga pruebas esté suelto y alabando a Dios. Caminando en el... en en medio de la tribulación, de la aflicción, porque usted sabe en quién ha confiado. They were free and walking about in the midst of the fire. And that's what the scripture says. It says when you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. Cuando pases por el fuego, no te quemará ni la llama arderá en ti. Later, we're going to see that these men came out of the out of the fire, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Esos hombres salieron del fuego y no tenían ni solamente el olor al fuego. Somebody ought to give God praise for that, because you don't have to look like or smell like what you've been through when you walk with God. When you honor God, He'll bring you through. In such a way that everyone will have to say, look what the Lord has done. This was God's doing. And the same things that bound you outside of Christ are burned in the presence of Christ. You know, you can't even go to a campfire marshmallow roast without smelling like smoke. At least I've heard. I don't know that for a fact. Is that right? And yet these men were walking in the fire, and they came out, didn't smell like the trial. I'm talking about overcoming grace. The kind of grace where God brings you through storms, and you don't look storm-tossed. And you're not talking about, oh, I've had such a hard time. You're standing strong, and your mouth is not quivering, but it's full of joy and praise because you know what God has done and is doing in your life. Look what else happened. Not only were they free, but they had a closer relationship with God. You see, you've been trying to get out of the trial and God's saying, I'm going to meet you in the trial because I want to have a closer relationship with you. Now, before, before this moment, they had never seen God. They had never been face-to-face with God. They had never had a physical personal relationship with God. But when they got into this place that only God could get them out, and when they shut every door of the world and said, doesn't matter what happens, we're not going to bow, we're going to honor God. God says, you know what, I'll come stand with you in that place Of testing and trial. I'll stand with you and you will know me in a way you never knew me before. Look at them. They are seeing the Lord Jesus Christ before the incarnation, before Bethlehem, before he was even conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. There he was standing before them, the son of the living God. Come on, somebody. God will show up in your life and when he's done, you'll know him better than you ever knew him before. You don't have to fear What man can do to you. God has better plans for you than anything man can throw your way. If you believe that, shout amen. What happened to Paul and Silas? The Bible said they were in prison because of the preaching of of the name of Jesus. And their feet were in stocks and their hands were in chains. And at midnight, they started to complain and whine and cry. No, what did they do? They began to praise God and sing hymns, and God showed up in the prison and shook the place off, uh, shook the place up, and the chains fell off. Come on, somebody. When you decide to go with God, God shows up in your life. Now, don't wait till you're in the furnace to, to get to know it. amen, somebody. But I'm talking about certain things about God you'll never know until you walk through that place you've been trying to avoid. Because you see, he wants to be your healer when you're sick. He wants to be your deliverer when you're bound. And he wants to be the, the one who delivers you out of the furnace of Fire, because he is the Lord, your God. Come on, somebody. he is your God. He is your personal Savior and Deliverer and Healer and Lord. Look at verse 30, last thing this evening. Then the king caused Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Of Babylon. What does that mean? They were promoted. Well, I don't want to go through tests. I don't want to go through trials. Then you don't want to grow. You don't want to be promoted because promotion only comes when you pass the test. It's true in kindergarten. It's true in high school, it's true in college, it's true in life. Promotion comes from God. And when you decide, I'm going to serve God, he'll favor you and promote you in an hour of his choosing, in a timing of his perfection, and you'll sit sit there like Joseph, at night looking into the ceiling of the palace and wondering how in the world did I get here because this morning I was having breakfast in the prison and tonight I'm sleeping in the palace. How did this happen to me? Come on, somebody, because God knows how to promote his own, but you have to be willing to decide, God, no matter what comes, I'm going to stand for you in the trial and I'm going to keep believing and keep trusting you to come through in my life. Let's stand together tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just make a decision tonight. Maybe you're in a trial by fire right now. Just remember, no season ever lasted forever. And God will show up in your life. You can't lose choosing God. Father, tonight I pray that faith would rise up in the heart of your people. Some have great challenges before them. Some small things. Whatever it is, is, doesn't. the size doesn't matter. You're God enough for all of it. You are God enough for every test. You're God enough for every trial. Maybe they're in that trial because of some failure on their part. Maybe because of an attack of the enemy. Maybe they've been targeted by someone. Maybe they are there because of a season that they're going through. God, you are God enough for all of it tonight. And tonight we say with these Hebrews, our God is able to deliver. Our God is able to deliver, and even if he does not, we will not bow. We're going to serve the Lord. We make up our mind. We've made a decision. The culture cannot have our obedience. This world will not have our worship. Our knees will not bow to the pressure of this life. Because you have given us a measure of faith. And you said that this is the faith that overcomes the world. Let that faith rise up tonight to answer every scoffer, every critic, every liar, every attack of the devil. Come on, let faith rise up in your heart to answer and say, oh, king, you don't have to worry about giving me more chances and more time. I have already made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to honor God. Hallelujah. Come on, worship him. If you're in the trial tonight, worship him in the midst of the furnace. Because he's standing right beside you.